0: Welcome to Fundamentally Human, a podcast about mental health topics unpacked in an easy to understand way. My name is Shervin and I'm your host. Let's get started. Culture and family are often major components of someone's life and they can greatly influence core beliefs, values, and priorities. Having parents who are immigrants, I wanted to explore how culture has impacted my mental health because there are definitely huge gaps in the way I grew up versus how my parents grew up. And actually, culture is something that I usually ask my clients during their intake session or the first session with me because it can really share a lot about their identity, about who they are, and their family relationships, just learning about culture. For today's episode about generational gaps, I'm joined by Holly Ha. Holly is a second-generation Chinese-Vietnamese-Canadian whose parents and families fled Vietnam in the 1970s as part of the Boat People Refugees. She is also the creator of the Holding Heritage podcast, which focuses on exploring cultural heritage, refugee and immigrant stories, family relationships, and bridging generational gaps. Thanks for being here today, Holly. Thanks for having me. And I'm glad that we have similar kind of backgrounds here where our parents are immigrants to Canada, and we both grew up in this more Western culture. Mm -hmm. Can you share a bit about how it was like growing up for you at home?
1: Yeah. um, Well, so I grew up, I was born in Calgary and then I moved to Vancouver Island when I was a small kid. I think my brother was like in grade one or two. He's three years older than I am. So we grew up in the Comox Valley on Vancouver Island and it's a very Caucasian dominant uh, area, especially when I was young. Um, It's changing now and it's getting a lot more diverse. But yeah, when we were kids, our first elementary school that my brother and I went to, we were the only Asian kids. And it really kind of embedded this mindset within me and my brother of like, not being proud of our culture. I really didn't like speaking Chinese. I wanted to be like my white friends. I wanted to eat the same lunches, (laughs) Um, things like that. So for me, when I was growing up, I felt like I distanced myself a lot from my culture and I never really thought much about how important it might become in the future. Um, Even up until kind of the end of high school, I felt like, you know, I could go the entire my entire life uh, without really knowing much about my culture. And I think that I'd be okay with it. But of course, since then. It's changed. But that's kind of my childhood in terms of culture um, in a nutshell.
0: Thanks for sharing that. And a lot of that I can also relate with because when I went to elementary school, so I was born and raised in Burnaby, Mm -hmm. which is right beside Vancouver. I remember all my classmates were white or Italian, and probably there were. Three or four of us who were Asian, three of us total were Chinese, and there was one girl mm-hmm. who was Filipino. And I remember bringing lunches in my thermos yeah. <laughs> and it with my Asian spoons uh-huh. and chopsticks, and then the fish would smell, or other things would smell, and I would have yeah. rice with like bunch of asian veggies and meats and stuff and mm-hmm. then all of my classmates would have lasagna sandwiches or lunchables. <laughs> lunchables and i remember oh my gosh i would want lunchables and those yeah. ocean snack kits where yeah. you have like the tuna and the crackers oh totally granola that, bars yeah. nutrigrain bars dunkaroos like all oh, of yes. those things it's really like the, the cool, cool lunches exactly <laughs> That meant you were in and cool. And then here I come with like my bin bins and my rice crackers and my like lemon tea from Vita or like soy milk. (laughs) And people are like, what are you eating? And I remember I used to be really embarrassed about it or I would open my thermos, take a bite and close it because I didn't want it to smell. Yeah,
1: same. I, I would even sometimes I wouldn't eat lunch and then on my way walking home. From school, I would just like shove it all in my mouth. Yeah. Um, or, yeah, or like I wouldn't eat at all, at all. And I would just come home and be like, oh, I'm not hungry. And, and you know, looking back right now, like there did come a time, I think middle and end of middle school, early high school, where my parents just ended up giving me money um, to buy food at school, at the cafeteria and stuff. And, you know, I've had conversations with my mom now about that and just being like man I'm so sorry because you know looking back I can see how much effort she she took like making sure that my lunch would be warm when I ate it and packing utensils and napkins and all the different kind of condiments and stuff to have a good and nutritious lunch back then I just thought exactly like you I felt like it was embarrassing and like Well, other people just have a cold, squished-up sandwich. That's Uh what I (laughs) want, You know, like come home and be like, Mom, I just want a peanut butter and sandwich. Cut the crust off. um, And that's it.
0: Completely agree with that. And I guess – I don't know if lucky is the right word. I guess it's more I'm appreciative of how in high school, I think half my grade was – Asian. So mm. I felt like I fit in more in that sense because other people and other kids brought their thermos and hot Chinese Asian lunches. Right. That's amazing. So I felt like that helped me a lot with just coming to terms and really enjoying food. And honestly, now I love Asian food so much. I don't think I can have anything else. It's like, <laughs> well, mostly that's the what thing I now, like especially <laughs>
1: Uh, with young kids now like eating sushi is cool and like pho is cool and you know all these different things it's kind of like this culture um, now is like cool whereas before it was maybe a a bit less um, accepted Mm -hmm.
0: and when I think back about how my parents probably felt about this or mostly my mom because she was the one who made the lunches I Mm -hmm. wonder if I ever hurt her feelings when I – I probably as a kid said, oh, my God, my lunch smells. She's probably like, what the heck? Just eat your lunch, child. It's good stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've had conversations with my mom about it too, and it's like – yeah, she did tell me like, yeah, you know, it was sad, but also they understood, right? Because – I mean, well, especially because my parents, like, they came here as refugees, right? Like, they didn't choose to leave their homes. They were forced to leave, and so – coming here they were teenagers when they came they were thrown straight into middle school um mm-hmm. without having ever like for my dad he had never gone to school before in vietnam he he didn't have that opportunity and so you know they faced a lot of racism they couldn't speak english and so it yeah i have talked to my parents in in those terms and they're like yeah you know we understand that there's there is a lot of meanness in kids sometimes right especially when it comes to things that you can't really explain, or you don't understand, such as food. So, if anything, I think in the end they were just like, "Okay, if that's going to make you feel more comfortable at school, then we'll just give you money."
0: That's really great to hear that your parents were understanding of that.
1: And I think now, like, it is, yeah. it's the conversation that we have now, <laughs>
0: True.
1: because back then, you know, you're just angsty, and we don't have the vocabulary <laughs> um,
0: to share. But yeah. No, that's true. And it makes me think back about how my mom would buy me clothes that were way too big for me. I still can fit and I have a few clothes like hoodies and stuff from when I was in grade five. So, okay, I'm going to review my age here. Let's do the math. So that was probably, I don't know, 17 years ago. Clothes from 17 years ago are too big for me now. I did not grow that much. Absolutely. (laughs) Quite short and small still compared to 17 years ago. Mm -hmm. And... Before, I would think, oh, my God, my clothes don't fit me. All my <laughs> friends are starting to wear Lululemon, Lemon, oh, close clothes from Maritzia, And I have these clothes from China that my mom got. What are, like, three sizes too big? But... When I think back, I kind of appreciate what they did because, man, as kids, you grow so big and so fast Mm -hmm. that it's such a waste of money to always buy new things every single year. Even now as an adult, I don't always do that. I kind of have the same pieces, the main pieces I wear that last for a while. Yeah, totally, totally. And... I guess a lot of it is just, you know, when as kids, your priorities are so different from your parents' priorities, and then you go and watch TV, you're mm-hmm. kind of starting on social media back then, but now everyone starts at, like, grade three, I don't even know, younger, four years old, yeah. and then you just look at all your classmates who aren't Asian, and you're like, oh my god, I just need to look cool and be like them. Yeah, how exactly. come I'm not?
1: <laughs> exactly and and that's super frustrating as a kid, too, like because I was having a conversation um not too long ago about how you know, when we're kids, it feels like our only real intimate experience that we have with our culture is through our parents. so when mm-hmm. little things like that frustrate us, like in terms of social inclusion and 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 judgment that comes from school it's so easy for us as kids to just blame it on our parents, you know, like, Oh, well it's because I don't have all the cool clothes that everyone else has, or I don't have the same phone or I don't eat the same lunches. And like, you know, and it's sad to think about now. um, But it's also understandable. Mm -hmm.
0: A lot of it is just when we're older, we kind of see everything more in hindsight Mm -hmm. and, I like yeah. how you talked about how it's easy to blame our parents. And um, one of the things that comes up a lot when I speak with clients who are also BIPOC or a mm-hmm. person of color um, is how our parents might approach mental health. So I'll use my mom for as an example. Mm-hmm. She's come a long way in the last few years, but for her her tendency was to blame others or you know talking negatively complaining and being like oh why aren't you like so and so's kid how come you can't do this how Aww. come you can't do that or gossiping kind of thing mm-hmm. um she uses wechat a lot which is <laughs> kind of like whatsapp or facebook but it's really popular in china right. and a lot there's a lot of other asian moms and aunties who are the same and they always want to you know, look like they have it together on their moments, which is like Mm -hmm. their stories. And then there's a lot of, you know, gossiping between friends and stuff or just getting angry at something someone else did, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. relate to her. So my mom has been like that, but I've talked to her a lot about, you know, how much does that actually affect you? At the end of the day, you're using a lot more energy to talk about this than your friend or whoever's problem is, is affecting right. them. And to just not sweat the small stuff because she just lets it consume her. Mm-hmm. And for me, I have a lot of you know mental health background being in therapy. A therapist and then working in this field for so many years. So mm-hmm. I was lucky to have the tools. But for her growing up, she had zero tools yeah. at all about mental health, about coping. It was always about survival.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: How do you see that with your parents or other older Asian um, families and parents?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely resonate. I can uh, relate to that. My Family, I'd say that my mom's side is maybe a bit more open in terms of um being more talkative towards one another, but my mom and dad's side equally share that really common i guess Asian thing of like we don't talk about feelings and we don't mm-hmm. talk about our frustrations, and you know family gossip is just kind of through the grapevine, and no nobody mm-hmm. ever really addresses things right. And, um, yeah, I mean, for me, I, when I was around university ish, like I went through a lot of mental health, uh, things. I started therapy very early on and, you know, I was going through a really tough time and my parents, a, they didn't know because I chose not to tell them because I, I didn't have the capacity to have that conversation. You know, because I knew that it was like, OK, well, if I say this and and even it's like I had opened up to them being like, I'm unhappy and this is this is not working for me. And, you know, you can relate. I'm sure when you're going through school, a lot of the refugee and immigrant parents are like, well, you know, you have to finish because you have to get mm-hmm. the good job and you have to get the stable job and you have to do this and do that. And even if you're not happy, like, you know, just push through it. But a big thing is, is that, you know, we were the first generation to go to school. Um, exactly. So they don't they don't know what it feels like. Right. And at that point, they're just kind of pushing, pushing their own agenda, not in a bad way, but just because they didn't have the opportunities that we have. They want so badly to encourage us to to go for that because that's what they would have chose. Um but yeah, I went a very un- unconventional route, and I went through a lot of my own struggles. And it yeah, it was very kind of awkward with my parents for a while. My parents kind of took a back seat in terms of like, they didn't know how to talk to me about it. I'm sure they didn't know what to say, and maybe it kind of scared them a little bit. But you know, as I get older, I think that a lot of what I love to talk about with people is Like you said, since we have had the opportunities to have these tools, learn these tools and these strategies for communication and dealing with hard emotions and things like that, we are in a really unique spot where we can approach them and we can help them slowly open up and slowly discover these things that they have never had access to. And that's what I've seen with not only my parents, but with my extended family as well, like being mm-hmm. able to cultivate that patience with my mom and my dad and helping them process through some of their own emotions while at the same time strengthening our bond together. Um, yeah, I've seen that it, it it can work, you know, and it feels very good on, on both ends, um, but it does take persistence and And patience for sure.
0: I really like how you talked about now we can teach them. We can talk to them about communication and what works. And my mom has come a long way where she doesn't really sweat the small stuff anymore. She'll Mm -hmm. spend a few minutes to rant or complain about something and then she'll realize, you know what, why does this even bother her? Or why is she (laughs) even talking about this? And she moves on and just does things that she enjoys. And I think it's only in the last three or so years that we started talking about it, and she's come a long way. Mm -hmm. And something else you also talked about was how we're usually the first generation to go to higher education. And I saw this post about how, you know, the potential you see in other people isn't real. It's the projection of what you would do in their position. Mm. And I think that one's really true, especially when it comes to our parents. They have a lot of dreams and wishes and wants that probably weren't accessible for them when they were younger or didn't even exist back then. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what they are pushing towards us is that tough love. You know, they want us (laughs) to have good careers. They want us to have, be financially stable, have great families because they want care and love us. And I feel like a lot of us know this, but, you know, the way our parents do the execution <laughs> may not always be the healthiest or the yeah. most kindest and caring way. But that's kind of the only way a lot of them know. And I think that's why groups like Subtle Asian Traits exist, because it's almost like a cookie. Cutter recipe. Do your four <laughs> years, get your degree, get a professional job, start working, get married at a certain age, have kids while your body still can't, blah, blah, blah. Those are all these standards that they have heard and are used to, and it seems right. to work for many people. So for them, it's like, why don't you do this? Why are you doing other things that aren't a for sure way for you or what they think is for sure to have a stable future, which is what they want at the end of the day
1: absolutely I mean and yeah no I totally agree I think that's amazing and I can totally resonate with that one thing that I've also Mm
0: -hmm.
1: experienced is so for me when I was younger it was kind of like okay yeah I think that my parents all they want is for me to have a stable job they want me to you know have a happy family they like all the all of the things that we always talk about like that's what they want um, because they never had the opportunity and over the past few years it's not that I don't think that that's what they want anymore, but my understanding or comprehension of that has kind of shifted for me because I think that when i when I step back and I look at it and not just my parents, like when I look at my aunts with my cousins um and my uncles with you know my other cousins and stuff, I feel like what they really want and what all of our parents ultimately want is us to just be happy. And then so when we're coming into this West or sorry, they're coming into this Western world where education and stable income and all of these things were kind of essentially equal to happiness because that's how it was back then. They were pushing for that. But for example, when I chose to go to music school, I wanted to pursue the arts. It's not, That they didn't want me to do it is that they were scared because they had never heard of anyone being successful in that or they didn't know and don't know what it's like to live in a world where they we have these options right like we are so fortunate to live in a society where we have the room to try and fail and try and fail and try and fail over and over again, Mm -hmm. when it comes to our career, when it comes to mental health, when it comes to, you know, all of these different choices. And that's something exactly like you were talking about before that they didn't have because they were only looking at survival. Mm -hmm. Because if they didn't get a part-time job, they couldn't buy food, which means they would starve. And, you know, it was just so different. And so I've had conversations with my parents now and You know, they're proud of what I'm doing now and they're all for it because they can they can now kind of see where it's going. But, you know, I've expressed kind of I was very resentful towards them before because they didn't support me. You know, I didn't feel like they support me, supported me back then. But in
0: reality, they were just scared because they're scared of what they don't know I agree and resonate with a lot of what you're saying too, where my parents were so adamant about my brother, who is also three years older than me. Oh, nice. Just being in the sciences, you know, Mm -hmm. go into science. It's a stable career or pathway. It sounds smart. It means you're knowledgeable, that kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. they kept pushing for it, even though they didn't really look at other options or ever spoke with us about other options available. It was, you know, science means you could be a pharmacist, a dentist, you could try to apply for law or be a doctor, all those kind of professional degrees, Mm -hmm. because that's really all they knew. Whereas they didn't understand things like computer science or being a developer or UX, UI researcher. They have (laughs) no idea what any of those things are. And now... You can be an influencer or a content creator, mm-hmm. which didn't really make sense for us when we were back in school about 10 years ago. So there's yeah. always so many changes and it really depends on, you know, what was the norm for our parents or for us back then? What is the norm now and to continue growing and learning? Mm-hmm. And I think what's usually helpful is just talking about it. Yeah, um, Back then I was equally as resentful. I was just angry. Why are you making me do this? I don't like this being annoyed with it. But now it's more about, well, this is what this means, or this is what that means. These are the options available. I talked to them about what therapy is, what Mm -hmm. mental health does, what the impacts are. And you know, in the beginning, when I started my master's for counseling, they gave me some flack. They had no idea what this mm-hmm. meant or what it did or why people even go. And right. the more I have conversations with them about it, the more they understand. And I yeah. think that's really what a lot of these gaps are. You know, yeah. a gap is a whole and it's kind of our job now to fill those holes for them that they never really had the chance to fill up because like we said they were just trying to survive all these years oh
1: absolutely and I think one of the biggest things in terms of generational gaps like like I was saying before our generation being second gen Mm -hmm. immigrants or second gen of refugee parents like we are in such a unique position because if we are willing to take the step forward, then, you know, metaphorically reach out our hands and, and help them through because especially with things like talking about emotions, right. Mm -hmm. Um, With my parents, you know, they were afraid to talk to their parents, like our our grandparents about Mm -hmm. emotions, right. Because that's not what you do. And the way that, you know, say my grandparents would have, reacted to them expressing their emotions probably would have been very harsh, right? Like, yeah, yeah, it's seen as weak. Um, Don't do that. (laughs) Just flat out certain things. But I found that, you know, my parents or like my parents' generations, they want to express, right? Especially having spent so much Mm -hmm. time in a Western world now where, you know, they do see like on TV, like the people who – have the great relationship with their kids and all the stuff, and i I really believe that they want that stuff too, right? Mm-hmm. like they want that connection and they want to share their thoughts and their their stories and things like that and one interesting moment, like when I started getting into my my cultural kind of passion, right wanting to dig more into our family history and the story and stuff like on my dad's side, I have lots of older cousins, and um you know. I was talking to my brother because he's a bit closer to age in them and he used to hang out with them and I was kind of the weird like odd <laughs> one out in terms of age and you know I was talking to my brother like have you ever talked about this with the other cousins like are they interested in the history like have they really thought about the sacrifices that have been made by our parents and things and he was like yeah we talk about it all the time like we've we've had multiple conversations and so then the question in my mind was like, okay, so if we're thinking about it, and they're obviously thinking about it, right? But no one has has talked to each other about it. So it's like neither one wants to take the first step. And so that gave me motivation in terms of like wanting to try. So as soon as I, you know, started asking questions to my dad and my mom, it, it was almost like the floodgates open, you know, because when you make that first step, yes, they're super awkward in the beginning. And even sometimes they're like, no, why are you asking? And like, no, I don't want to talk about this. And a common answer that I get is, um, no, it's sad. Like it's over and I don't want to talk about it or whatever. Right. But with, with more like encouragement, it gets to a point where now, In the greatest way, like I can't get my parents to stop talking about it, you know, I mean, mean, it's great. And it just it does this thing where you you see them also open up as a person. And then for us, we get to see more of their personality and why they think the way they do. Which then we can kind of piece together in terms of like, oh, this is why they raised me the way that they did. And this is maybe why they made these certain like harsh decisions or, you know, things like that. And so, yeah, exactly like what you said. I think communication is key. And the more that we talk and the more that we share the things that we're passionate about, we can then get them to open up, hopefully, with us, with their passions.
0: Yeah, and that reminds me something about my dad. I know I talked a lot about my mom earlier, but my dad is super traditional Chinese. It's always, you know, head of the family, mm. no emotions or communication. And yep. he's super into his iPad now, and <laughs> he uses a map, like an actual physical really really big piece of paper map to look for directions oh wow (laughs) i've taught him how to use google maps on his ipad before yeah but you know it's not always easy to remember where to click what to find blah 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 Mm -hmm. so he forgot and i saw him pull out that map a few more times (laughs) man that thing's hard to use and it's very very uh, it's not updated at all And I would ask him, well, do you want to use your Google Maps? Do you remember how to use it? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I do. I just like this instead. And this happened a couple of more times. And I realized, well, maybe he forgot and just doesn't want to admit it. So I said, (laughs) you know, it's okay to ask for help, Dad. Or if you want me to show you again, Mm -hmm. I can. And he would say something like, But did he say he said, oh, I didn't want to waste your time, Mm. which part of it is probably true. And the other part is probably he still doesn't want to admit that he needs help. So eventually we sat down and I said, why don't I spend some time now to show you how to use it so you can use it again for the future? And then he was really amazed by street view and how fast (laughs) it was and how you can screenshot your directions and stuff. And I think just that little piece of being vulnerable, communicating and mm-hmm. offering help back yeah, was a way for him to open his gates a little bit. Absolutely. For him to ask for help in the future. Just the other day, he was like, can you show me how to use Craigslist? I want to look for <laughs> fishing rods or whatever. <laughs> yeah, And I'm like, of course I can show you. Yeah. Whereas I think before he would have just kind of found his own way and it was probably super inefficient. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with each of our parents, they have a different way of showing how, you know, vulnerability looks like to them. For my Absolutely. dad, it's Pride is a really big thing for yep. my mom. It's just being able to share all of her emotions <laughs> in a healthy way. Totally. No, and
1: I think you hit the nail right on the head there like in terms <laughs> of um like my dad is similar. When I was growing up, he was extremely stoic. I thought he was so strict. And it, he was one of the dads were like if he was mad, like you would walk into the room and he wouldn't even have to look at you or say anything, like you just feel it, you Mm -hmm. know? And over the years, like, it's interesting because I, as I grow older, I realize that I have a lot of the same qualities that that he has. Mm -hmm. Um, But like when you talk about how your dad is very prideful and stuff, like my dad is so prideful, like I can totally relate to that, you know, would never admit that he's wrong Etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And one thing that I realized when I was trying to, you know, talk more about childhood and, and stories and how they grew up and stuff, like similar to how when your dad said, Oh, I don't want to waste your time. Um, sometimes I, I used to get the like, Oh, you know, my story's not important, or like, Oh, you think it's boring, or like, Yeah, I don't want to waste your time. It's a long story. And You know, sometimes to me that feels like um, kind of like an inner child of theirs, like testing, being like, "Do you really want to know?" Because, because in order for me to open up, I'm gonna have to be vulnerable, and in order for me to do that, I want to know if you're serious you know, like if what you're saying Mm -hmm. is actually real. And so putting in that extra bit of effort, like how you were like, okay, no, like let me sit down and you spent however many minutes or like an hour with your dad, like actively showing him, like, I'm here to help you. And this is my goal. And like, I want to help you understand and I'm here and we're together and you know, we're in it and I'm not lying. Um, (laughs) Right. And so things like that, I've noticed that, you know, the first kind of conversations that I've had with my dad are just interactions being like, I'm, I'm going to sit here until you're ready to say something or like, you know, maybe we don't even have to talk, then I'm just going to sit here, right? Like, I'm not asking anything of you. I just want to be here. Genuinely want the company and the connection. Then the next time it's like, they feel a bit more safe and then the next time they feel more safe and they feel mm-hmm. more open. And so it's like investing that time to let them process right because it's not going to happen like exactly how you want it like the first time or maybe even the second or third time right if if it's requiring a lot of vulnerability like you got to create that space for
0: them first you know yeah and that reminds me of even now with the pandemic a Mm. lot of us when we think about the pandemic, a lot of articles other than, you know, wearing your mask, sanitizing, a lot of it was mental health, self-care things to do at home, setting boundaries at home, things like that, Mm -hmm. mental health awareness and prioritizing your mental health. Whereas my parents were like, okay, make sure we have enough food, stay at home, (laughs) read the news. And I don't think there was a lot of Emphasis or priority for mental health care, or even for them to realize what it meant to be working at home. Whereas a lot of my friends and myself, it's you know, it's trying to stay connected with people, mm-hmm. trying to make sure we have time to ourselves at home or being able to split up work and home life, even if we're sitting in the same place. But yeah. for them, it was continuing to survive, make sure we don't get sick. I saw some posts about how grandmas put onions under kids' heads, yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw that something too. like that. <laughs> or just yeah, just going back to that whole theme of survival yeah. in the most physical ways. Yeah.
1: Oh, totally. And they have all of these different habits that mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, will never be what they or will never be something that they let go of. Like my grandma, she will have cellars and cellars of dried food forever because Uh that's just what you do right because back then it was like if anything happened we might starve to death but now we're like well you know we always have access to a grocery store or you know worst comes to worst we can do this or that and we have all these different options but yeah I think it's very ingrained in them in terms of survival and having that
0: kind of mindset that
1: we don't Mm -hmm. really have
0: (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of it is just, and it alludes to what you mentioned earlier, but just what normal looks like for everyone, how mm-hmm. they grew up with and versus how we grew up with. Yeah. And a huge one is, I think, you know, we grew up in school learning about sciences, about biology, how our bodies and our brains work.
1: Mm-hmm. Whereas
0: with our parents, a lot of it is just you know traditional medicine is about healing, how your body is connected to your mind and how you're yeah. each part affects another part, things like that. And I know there's a lot of truth to how your body connects with so many different things physically and psychologically, Mm -hmm. but they didn't grow up learning about, you know, what your lungs do or what your liver does and all those things. Whereas Mm -hmm. we grew up having to be tested on it. (laughs) Yeah. So even things like that and how my mom's like, drink this soup, have this supplement, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's because that's what makes sense for her in terms of healing and growth and all that. Whereas for yep. us, we see the science and the research, but they don't understand any of that. And all this is to say, at the end of the day, it's really about communicating with our parents, you know, teaching them and filling up those gaps that they never had the chance to Properly fill, and yep. a lot of them probably filled it up with a lot of inaccurate <laughs> information. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, my mom gets a lot from WeChat, and my yeah. brother and I are always trying to debunk all. <laughs> oh, I hear fake ya. news, and especially with the pandemic, it's uh it's a bit of a wild ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, totally. I mean, my parents are the same.
1: Well, my mom's uh, side of the family actually, like my grandma, my grandpa, they um, were like herbal medicine far, mm. like pharmacists in in Vietnam so they they made all of these handmade remedies and they did all of like the herb pots and, and things like that and even until now you know my mom is like same as your mom like oh you're having a sore throat or like you're feeling hey you know like let's make this soup or <laughs> let's yep um you know yeah let's eat more of this and don't eat cold foods and you know do this and do that and you know, and a part of me when I was young, I was like, oh, it's so wooey and whatever. And I don't really believe in it or, you know, and, and I don't feel that way now. Just like you, I feel like there are so many different ways in, in terms of body and mind and well-being and all that stuff. And um, I do think it's important, though, to to know the science behind it in terms of like how things work and, mm-hmm. and why they work the way that they do. And and that is a gap that they don't have necessarily, right? Like with COVID, trying to explain to my parents like what a what, what like the respiratory tract <laughs> is or like, you know, things like that, like because all they hear is like, oh, it makes it hard for you to breathe or whatever, right? But they don't mm-hmm. understand the actual, I guess, mechanics behind it, Um But one thing that I think is really important in terms of bridging those kinds of gaps, especially with, like, very traditional, like, ways of doing things, yeah, which aren't wrong, right? Like, yeah, they work. Um, Bridging that with kind of, like, more modern-day science and stuff, it's, like, us being in this situation, one thing that's really important is that we're not always just focused on being like, no, we'll just listen to the science and and listen to this and this is how it is and this is the truth it's like we have to both we have to understand both sides right and because in order for them to mm-hmm. actually listen to us like they can't feel like we are are saying like oh what you believe in is wrong and that's that's not the way that you should do it and you're mm-hmm. thinking in an old way or whatever right it has to be like oh i understand why you think these certain ways and yeah, it does work and blah, blah, blah. Like, but maybe also you could, you know, take a look at this. And if that makes sense to you, then maybe you can kind of like piece it together on your own. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's hard to do. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> it is hard to do because it can be so frustrating, especially oh, totally. if we know our parents are absolutely wrong about a sort of fact, yep. for example. Yeah, And it's just like, man, why don't you get it? But <laughs> yes. it goes back to what they grew up learning versus exactly. what we grew up learning. And this actually happens a lot of times with my own clients in therapy. And what we do as therapists is usually going back to that Socratic questioning. asking questions to help them get to an answer yeah and I know that sounds confusing but it's really about well how did you get to this conclusion or what does this even mean to you and when they have to say it out loud back to you then it helps them kind of put together the pieces because sometimes they might not even realize how silly or wrong it might be or how it sounds when they say it outside of their heads Mm -hmm. and that's when you can start educating or communicating or sharing pieces to really put it together in a much more accurate way
1: oh totally and it's all about like gu- guiding them right mm-hmm. like you're it's like you're doing it together and you're not just saying like oh you're wrong or whatever like those, yeah those questionings are great I love communicating to my parents like that in terms of like I'll sit down and they'll say something I'm like oh that's interesting like where did you where did you read that or like, <laughs> have you tried it before do you yeah. know anyone who's tried it like you know, and all these things, and then exactly like what you said. Sometimes like you'll catch them in a question, that, and they'll be like, Uh-oh. "Oh, I, oh, actually no." And we're like, "Huh?" And then they'll be like, "Oh, interesting." And then and then that's when you can kind of slide in a bit of mm-hmm. like, "Oh, well, you know, I read so and so like about this, and they're saying that this. Like, what? What if that's it? You know?" And then it's it's kind of like more encouraging and more of a conversation.
0: <laughs> exactly as you said it's so much more encouraging when someone else is able to get to there rather than you just telling them what to do yeah. because now they feel like they came up with it and they've realized it so they're more accountable and engaged rather yeah. than if someone is just telling you something <laughs> about xyz Yeah. you're probably going to feel a lot more defensive about it and exactly. not as receptive yeah. which is what a lot of my younger self was dealing with I. That was angsty, <laughs> resentful, unhappy, frustrated. It's like yeah. why don't you get it I'm telling you exactly
1: and you know it's it's interesting too because I feel like that tactic that we're talking about of like you know approaching it more as a conversation and kind of letting them get to the point where they feel like oh it was my idea like I figured mm-hmm. it out right even though in our minds we're like okay we you know <laughs> we did it together we, we you know yeah. I, I helped you in this way but it's a it's such a great strategy for that ego portion that we were talking about Mm -hmm. right like oh especially with my dad or something if I come in blazing hot with a like you're wrong and this is how it actually is exactly like what you said he gets super defensive and he'll be like no he'll he'll double down (laughs) right but if if you guide them into this whole like okay well now he thinks that he made up this like wonderful idea right it's like it doesn't hurt his ego and you guys are more deeply connected so it's like if we can let go of our egos in order to do that it's a
0: it's a great trade-off I think and that's the thing when we're younger we don't recognize what it means to let go of our own ego. So that's oh, probably an explanation to why we were butting heads with our parents when yep. we were younger. But now as adults, it's we're talking from one adult to another adult. So it's hopefully not always more peaceful, at least.
1: <laughs> exactly. No. And and I think that that's a, That's a great way of putting it. Of like, I find myself now, when I'm talking to my parents, I have oftentimes a choice between do I want to resolve this for my end goal which is peace and connection or do I want to hold on to this thing like for example like I want them to know that I'm right they're (laughs) wrong or you know or whatever it is it's like that doesn't end up in peace so it's like if I can let go of that if my goal is really just like okay I want to resolve this and it, do- it doesn't matter if they know that it was my idea or whatever, right? Like knowing yeah. where your end goal is with them is like a
0: lot more important. Exactly. And it goes back to just the way we react and respond. You know, if we react – to something in a way where we're angry about it we can either choose to respond in a petty way or just (laughs) take a moment and remind ourselves what our angle is what is our intention at the end of the day is it that we are here to pick a fight or (laughs) we want to resolve something and find a middle ground for whatever we're talking about exactly yeah all tools that we grew up learning, but our parents didn't grow up learning. So exactly, I think it just takes them takes them a little bit longer. We can
1: we can help them along the way,
0: and it's something that we are all working on too. Even though we've learned it, so imagine for them not having learned it and then having to learn it from their own kids and then practicing it. Yeah, that's not easy at all.
1: Totally, yeah. And I think there are, there are lots of quotes out there that it is about you know sometimes when we're kids or young adults and when we're growing up we can really easily forget that our parents are also growing at the same Mm -hmm. time right like they are learning and they're making mistakes and they're doing all these things but when we're younger it's so easy to think like our parents are you know they should know everything (laughs) you know but um especially when we're older now it's it's really nice actually to see growth in Mm -hmm. my
0: parents yeah it's It's the same thing for me when I see them grow or being able to communicate in a healthier way. I'm proud of it. And I feel happier and more at peace and at ease at the end of the day too. And I think our biggest theme here is really just communicating in an open way and being expressive about what we mean and also being curious to learn what are they trying to say to us.
1: Exactly. Like trying to understand where they're coming from and communicating the way that we feel in a way that's
0: respectful. <laughs> Easier said than done, but absolutely takes A work practice. in progress. Yes, <laughs> it takes practice and patience for Lots sure, of that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Small doses, I think. And and like the expectations have to be like really low. I for me anyways, I think that mm-hmm. that's the, the best way to approach it because like how we were talking about before you know you're not just gonna sit down with them and then all of a sudden have this like really really intense connection thing and then you guys are gonna be best friends and like everything's gonna go away yeah like sometimes it it might be as simple as like you know you you help them with dinner for five minutes Mm -hmm. you know in a week (laughs) and then you try it again the next week you know like tiny 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 steps
0: Yeah, it doesn't have to be a huge thing where you're suddenly best friends, like you said. Just small ways to connect and just – oh, another thing is that reminds me of before my um, mom wouldn't expect us to say thank you or anything like that. And she still doesn't expect it. Wow. I think a lot of it is because, let's say if I do something for my grandma, my grandma won't say thank you because she says, well, you're family. You're supposed to do it. Mm. And my mom grew up thinking that way, too. And I explained to her, I said, well, no, you're taking the time to make food and to prepare and all of that. It's a lot of energy to pick us up from school and whatnot. And the least we could do is show our appreciation and gratitude and say thank you. So um, for my whole life, I pretty much have been trying to get my family to say thank you. And they just didn't understand. But now they understand more because they finally kind of see what it means to be taken for granted in a sense Mm. and what it means to appreciate. So they didn't understand what that meant, too. But to appreciate someone's time, someone's effort, someone's blood, sweat and tears. Right. You know, I don't have to go do a billion things for my mom, like buying her so many gifts and everything, but yeah. to thank her for her time and yeah. for her efforts to make such a great meal. And that could be a very, very small dose. It doesn't take a lot of physical effort, at least to say thank you to someone. Absolutely, But it can mean a lot to their own efforts and how they yeah. feel about what they're doing.
1: Yeah. That's amazing. I'm so I'm so happy for you. And I hope that that continues. Because, yeah, I mean, you know, similar to that kind of like, <laughs> I never ever used to like hug, like, you know, it was hugging is like weird, or like just any type of physical touch is like weird growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, like, even if you're upset, it would just kind of be like, ooh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, ever since like a couple of years ago, I started trying to be, I guess, more like physically affectionate, whether that be like, you know, if I'm, yeah, if I'm thanking my mom for dinner or something, I'll just like put my hand on her shoulder. And I remember it's mm-hmm. so weird at first because you're like, oh, this just feels so wrong. Yeah, like even small things like, you know, saying I love you, like Ooh. that's very, very foreign for a lot of Asian families. Right. And um, yeah, and I think that it's just in the small doses. Right. Finding really, really Um, just minute ways to kind of like put it in even if it's weird right Mm -hmm. because because the more that you do it the less weird it'll get and then the more open um that they'll become
0: yeah I find it so weird to hug my mom I give her the side hug and that's kind (laughs) of it I'm like a little pat here I'm like okay (laughs) this is what I can do but that's just because they never did any of that for us so we grew up thinking this is so weird to do and vice versa, whereas with our friends it's or, you know, significant others and stuff, it's so much easier to just hug them and be affectionate. But with parents, it's like, no thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it just takes time for sure. But, you know, I really like what you said. Just small doses and small little things can really add up and it can help open some of the gates and let the guards down. Mm-hmm. exactly for more connection I really enjoyed our conversation today and thank you so much for being here yeah thank you for having me of course were there any last comments you'd like to make or anything you'd like to plug to listeners you can check out the holding heritage podcast on anywhere yeah. that you listen to podcasts
1: um, head over to holdingheritage.com you can check out our episode show notes um, and it's holding heritage on facebook and instagram as well
0: and i'll make sure to put a link in the description for anyone who's interested to listen to holly's work as well and to support my podcast and help reach others please follow and share it with anyone who is looking to learn a bit more about mental health topics For any listeners who are visual learners or would like some more resources, I have a number of blog posts on shervin.ca that you can read. And you can also follow my Twitter at HelloShervin for updates. So Holly, thank you again for being here. Thanks for having me. And I hope everyone has a great rest of their day.